0: listening to prickly and blooming brought to you by LaJoy joy society and now your
1: hostess jesse browning all right all right all right y'all
0: you know y'all means all like all and then there's like there's all y'all which means like all of y'all like y'all means all and then all y'all really means like everyone like fucking everyone like fuck y'all like as you're walking out of the room like there people are razzing you, and you're and you like fuck y'all and you go to get another LaCroix or something and then you know they keep razzing you, and you come back and say fuck all y'all <laughs> y'all there's some good shit coming at you this week we got Jen and Jen story is reminiscent of Mailey who we we met a couple weeks ago and again, I said this at the beginning of Maylee's episode. I'm going to say it again. We need to keep telling these stories. We need to remind ourselves that alcoholism can affect anyone. And, you know, Jen is going to talk about it in this episode that, you know, she didn't believe she was an alcoholic because she didn't believe that she was an alcoholic. Does seemed like the stereotype or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it of like she didn't see herself in the image of an alcoholic. And how we can combat that is by sharing these stories. And so I will hold space for this story. And if you're out there and you have a similar story, it's okay. Hit me up. Let's let's record it. If you were also a mom, you know, and just couldn't believe that that was your life. Um, it's important. It's really important. And, and these women are so brave of sharing these deep, dark times, holy and with every detail that they can remember and I'm just so proud of them and I'm so grateful to have met them all. All of you, all every last one of you are making my heart explode that you are showing up for the show and for the other women who are listening. Jen serves as a sober coach to other women. So if this is something that you'd like some guidance on, reach out to her. Uh, she's amazing, and I'm just gonna remind you to um, pick up your phone and rate the show, hit the stars, perhaps write a review if you're feeling extra saucy. It's awesome. I'm gonna keep talking about it and um, connect with me on social media and share this. Would you fucking share this with a friend this week? Like, what was your favorite episode? Who's the who's the woman that you connected to the most from the whole show, first season, second season? I don't care. Anybody? Who do you remember? Who can like maybe you can't remember her name, but you can remember her story. You can search something about her story or just look through. There's not that many episodes you can look through and send it to someone who needs it. Can you do that? That'd be really great. Um, I ain't fucking around. <laughs> I see big things for this show. And so come on and join me on this journey. <laughs> oh, I'm such a nerd. You guys know that, right? Like super nerd. Okay. I'm going to stop talking. And I'm going to send it over to conversation I had with Jen. I'm here with Jen Hurst. Hi, Jen. Hey. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you this morning? I am good. I am Mm -hmm. really excited to talk to you today. (laughs) Me too. We just like to, you know, know a little bit about you, maybe what you want to share before we get into your story. Do you want to tell us,
2: I don't know, whatever you feel like sharing? Yeah, well, I'll tell you a little bit about me. I'm Jen Hurst, like he said, and I am a full-time working mom of two little humans. They're ages four and six, a boy and a girl, and two dogs that I like to call my stinky cuties. <laughs> they are Brussels I saw, Griffons. <laughs> I
0: saw one behind you. They are very cute.
2: <laughs> I know. They're in the background, and I go downstairs so they don't, like, see what's out the window to try mm-hmm. to protect me and bark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born and raised in Minnesota, and I've been married for almost nine years, which is crazy to think about. It doesn't seem like it's it's been that long. But I'm a recovering perfectionist. Uh, if you guys do the Enneagram, I am an Enneagram Three, which is the Achiever. So, I don't if any of you guys are Achievers <laughs> out there. I'm also a graphic designer for a fitness company. I'm a beach body coach as well as a sober coach. Most recently, which I'm really excited about. I'm seven years in recovery and most of four of those years I spent kind of as a closet closet sober person Mm. that was living a dry drunk lifestyle. I didn't really share about my recovery a lot Mm. until I started coaching. And so I hope to encourage others uh, to be proud to be alcohol free, that it's nothing to be ashamed about. Being addicted to an addictive drug is actually normal. And it's not something to be ashamed about. And hopefully to motivate others, especially moms, to start sharing their stories and to start Mm -hmm. talking and start talking about this and have a conversation about it, knowing that you're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. I was a closet alcoholic. I hid a lot of my drinking. Even my husband didn't know it about my drinking until after we got married, until I couldn't really hide it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I hope by sharing my story and telling others these hard things that I've been through, I hope it gives you permission to do the same and realize again that you're not alone in this, that you can pivot at any time that you want. And hopefully by me doing that, that you can reach that point faster than yes. I did.
0: Yeah. That's the 100%, the purpose is to hopefully by sharing ourselves, we can shorten the suffering of someone else. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. So if you're ready, I'd love to hear the moment. <laughs> Drum roll. I know, right?
2: <laughs> I know. I think when I heard that question, there's there's many bottoms that I've reached. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I was a recovering perfectionist. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm an achiever. I I go after what I want, I, I came from good grades, and so there was a few pivotal moments in my drinking that really made me think that ultimately got me to my rock bottom, which I which I call it, because I did hit a bottom, and mm-hmm. I hit a very hard bottom. Mm-hmm. One of them, I remember uh, I was laying on the floor, and I had my husband, this was obviously deep into my drinking, and I remember looking up at him. And this is the effects of what alcohol can do to you. And I just, I couldn't get out of this. I was in this endless cycle of binging and getting sober, binging and getting sober. And I, I kept digging my hole. I kept digging and I kept looking at him. And I just said, I just don't, I just don't want to live anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think the world would be better without me. I, I couldn't see a way out. I did, couldn't see a way out or how to stop. Uh, I could do a lot of things. Like I said, I'm at Enneagram three, but I just, I could not do this. And I didn't understand why I was like, why can't I do this? So I would beat myself up before, be, um, when I drank. So I felt horrible because I drank and I drank because I felt horrible. So it was this endless cycle and I kept spinning and spinning down and further and further. So that was one point. The second point, um, was, I remember deep in, Right before I got sober, I remember I got kicked out of my parent or my husband's house, our house, because he set a boundary of, if I catch you drinking, you have to leave. So I was staying with my parents, and I remember I was someone that mixed Adderall with alcohol. Mm-hmm. I was also drinking mouthwash for a good year at the end of my uh, addiction.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I remember I was shaking so bad, and my hands were going numb, and I thought, really felt like I was going to have a heart attack. And so I didn't want to tell my parents about it. I I didn't, I didn't want to scare them. So I remember searching on Google on my childhood bed, the bed that I grew up in, you know, with all my, you know, my pink bedroom and everything like Stuffed that. Stuffed animals. And yeah. Yes. In that same bedroom as a 30-year-old searching, am I having a heart attack? And so I, I thought I was, so I drank milk. It said drink milk. And another moment where I was like, I can't believe that this is my life. Mm -hmm. And feeling myself dying, feeling Mm -hmm. myself dying. Mm -hmm. And I I felt that. And then it ultimately came down to, this was my rock bottom, was my second stint in detox.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, My parents brought me there. I had blacked out at my parents' office from drinking mouthwash. My dad had brought me to his office to keep an eye on me. Uh, because I wasn't trusted, I have proved time and again that they can't trust me. That they have to keep an eye on me because they were scared that I was going to kill myself mm-hmm. from drinking. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to kill myself at this at the time, or I didn't. But naturally, you are killing yourself <laughs> when you're consuming that much alcohol, that much mouthwash. I didn't know the effects of what mouthwash could do to my body, which mm-hmm. really scares me today, looking into it. That it is very lethal. And to get, know that I was drinking that as my drink of choice for over a year. And why I did that was because it felt less shameful. Mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, I don't have to go into a liquor store. People don't have to know what I'm doing. It was less shameful for me to go and buy a bottle of mouthwash rather than going to a liquor store and buying a bottle of vodka. So I did that for a, going on a good year. And a year, and I went, they brought me to detox. I blew a point three four and... Mm-hmm. Knowing that is a high number, but knowing that I had been doing that every single day for a year scared me that that was just a number. What were these other days that I was drinking? What did I blow then? Like, I could have easily died um, Mm -hmm. because I drank to black out for a good year. I did not drink to, you know, just relax. I drank to live, to function normally because that's what alcohol did, and that really scared me. And by that time, I had lost a lot of things. You know, people. a lot of times people tell me, well, I haven't lost my job. All right, I haven't gotten a DWI, so that doesn't make me an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And then, I didn't do that either. But I also like to tell people, you haven't done that yet. Because it yes. will happen. Mm-hmm. It does happen. O- alcoholism is a progressive disease. It does happen. And I did lose my job. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like I, I was... Uh, a graphic designer, I excelled, but I lost my job because of my drinking. Mm-hmm. I lost my car because I got two DW- two DWIs. I had I was on the verge of losing my husband. I had been in and out of treatments up until this point, mm-hmm. and relapse kept relapsing. So, I had a lot that I had lost already, and I was supposed to show up to court that day. So they took me to detox and in those 72 hours, 48 to 72 hours, I had made the decision and it just clicked for me there. And I always tell people it comes down to two things. You have to really want it. Mm-hmm. You have to really want to get sober and you have to be ready. A lot of times people aren't ready. Reach. And I say go out and drink until you can get that to that point. I, that's mm-hmm. what I had to do. I had to prove to myself that I can't do this. I can do a lot of things, but I can't do this. I can't have just one sip because mm-hmm. any, any sip turns into the addiction and the disease kicking in. So um, I, like I said, I felt myself dying. I knew I didn't have much time left as a 30 year old and the, all I knew, I knew that the only thing that would make my situation worse, you know, I had court dates. I had DWIs, uh, my second DWI to, to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of things to clean up, but I was like, the only thing that could make where I'm at worse is if I drink. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. So I, so I gave it up. I gave up the outcome. I didn't know if I was going to make it with my husband. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I kept that in my mind. I'm like, the only thing that could make it worse is if I drank. And by that point... I didn't want to drink anymore. Right. Okay. And I, I yeah. keep telling people that they ask mm-hmm. me, What did it take for you to stop drinking? And I say, I just made the decision.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and it, it, it didn't get it. I didn't do it the first time. I didn't get sober the first time I tried. Mm-hmm. It took many attempts. It took over a year and a half of actively trying, trying. and failing, trying and failing. But every single relapse that I had, I learned from it, and it's a part of my story, and it got me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. So I don't regret those relapses because it got me to the point of making that decision, that Mm -hmm. ultimate decision where I wanted to stop, and I was ready. Ready. Ready to put in the work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so important because I think there's – the the number one you said want to stop that happens a lot people want to stop but they're not ready you're right it's not exactly the light isn't on it's it's still flickering right Mm -hmm. yes exactly oh so we got a lot (laughs) i know right (laughs) i love this though welcome thank you so much i love it (laughs) all right so let's like roll the tape back do you remember like when you started drinking
2: i do the Mm -hmm. first time sure yeah. Oh. Cuz I feel yeah. like there's
0: like a first time probably when we were all teenagers but then there was like a time oh, exactly. where we like started our careers drinking, right?
2: Exactly. <laughs> and th- thank you to treatment for make it, pinpointing the exact mm-hmm. moment I started to abuse it. My first drink was I hope my mom isn't listening to it <laughs> Um when is when I was 15 somewhere <laughs> Um, When I was 15, I had a couple friends over. And my parents never drank around me. I did not come up. I was not raised with parents who drank around me. But they did keep alcohol in the house. Mm -hmm. Like random bottles of booze. And they would maybe have a beer. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Two beers if they wanted. Like that was like pushing it. So I didn't grow up around it. My mom came. Her father was an alcoholic. So she grew up with it. She grew up with taking care of her siblings. Mm -hmm. So she was very, has a very familiar past with it. Mm -hmm. My grandfather did get sober. So she did see him get sober, but much of her childhood was seeing her father drunk all the time. Mm -hmm. And her mother died when she, when at 58. So she very early on had to take over and parent. So, uh, so yeah, I was 15 and my friend had gotten drunk before. And so we kind of raided my parents' cabinet. We had a sleepover. My parents were out of town and I took like 13 shots and I was like, this is disgusting. You know, it was just one of those horrible experiences, Mm -hmm. not horrible, but I was like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. And my friends were throwing up and it was, you know, just like the classic first (laughs) time, but sounds very much like mine. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, from then on, from like 15 to about 21, it was just normal, you know, like high school, we'd go to a party, college, we'd go to a party and, um, I remember the first time I abused it and it was when my second boyfriend wanted to go on a break mm-hmm. and my thought pattern was I did not want to go through the heartbreak and pain that I went through with my first boyfriend because he was the love of my life. I thought we were going to get married and when he wanted to go on a break, I I was in so much pain. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like just pacing and I was lying in bed and... My thought pattern when my second boyfriend wanted to do that was like, I don't want to feel that again.
1: Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm.
2: I don't know if I thought back to movies of, hey, just let's just go out and have a drink. I'm like, all right, can, take
0: the edge off.
1: Yeah.
2: And actually, thinking about this, I had was living with a couple guys at the time in college, just friends. And I went to them. I was like, this happens. My boyfriend wants to go on a break. I feel horrible. They're like, hey, take this. And I was like, what's mm. that?
1: They're
2: like, it's Adderall. They're like, it will make you feel like God, and I was like, oh, I don't Uh, really do drugs. I've only drank, maybe smoked weed a couple times. I don't really like that. Right. But at that point, I was like, screw it. I just want to feel not feel this. Yep. And so I did. I, I took like three and. I felt amazing. I, I was getting so much done. We went shopping. I was like, this is break is the best thing, best thing ever. ever. <laughs> I'm so happy we're doing this. And I, I stayed up all night with my friends who were doing it. I dyed my hair red. Like it was like so bananas. And so then that clicked in me. I'm like, hey, I can just take this away. So that's when I started you know, either doing Adderall or alcohol, and Mm -hmm. I didn't have to feel. Granted, it didn't, it wasn't to the point of blacking out every time, Mm -hmm. but it gradually progressed over the next nine years to me using alcohol to, it started with heartbreak, you know, Mm -hmm. heartbreak Mm -hmm. and pain, then Mm -hmm. turned into anxiety, which makes Mm -hmm. me think drinking caused the anxiety of how I was using alcohol, and I'm a classic workaholic, so Mm -hmm. that's kind of how... I used alcohol to help cope with what I was feeling. And I can kind of back up a little bit even Mm -hmm. before that. You know, I, as I said before, I was a recovering perfectionist. I was Mm -hmm. raised in a perfectionist family. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have social anxiety, so I'm a really shy person, Mm -hmm. which some people don't know. But even before this podcast, I was like oh, take a deep breath, take (laughs) a deep breath, right? And that's why I would drink because it would loosen me up. I Mm -hmm. could be fun and outgoing and I could be who people, I thought people wanted me to be. Yeah, I, you know, when people saw me or when they perceive like a shy person, they could maybe see you as stuck up or not as fun. So (laughs) I wanted to be fun. I wanted to be like the life of the party. So I drank and I was that person. And I became, and my family was, focused on appearances and appearing that things are fine from the outside. So I thought that if I looked perfect, if I achieved great grades, that I could achieve this perception that everything was great, when really in deep down inside, I was feeling the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So I, in a way, I was kind of a chameleon of uh, transforming into who other people wanted to be. Who did my parents want me to be? Who did my boyfriend want me to be? And so I looked at gossip magazines, how to achieve the perfect you know, eyeliner or whatever, or how to lose the cellulite, how to lose five pounds. And so in 2008, I went to New York City to um, pursue my career in graphic design. I wanted to work for a magazine. I was like, oh, I really want to work for a big time magazine. And then I was also drinking at night to fall asleep because I was having these racing thoughts. So I would drink to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. But then in New York, I was like, I really want people to think I'm thriving here because I was lonely. I didn't know anybody. I had a boyfriend who's now my husband back home. So I was like, if I keep drinking, I'm going to gain, I keep gaining weight. So I switched that to sleeping pills. So I started taking sleeping pills and In that, I lost a ton of weight, I was the thinnest I'd ever been, I was walking everywhere. And so people were like, wow, you're doing amazing. I'm like, yeah, I know. But deep down inside, I was so lonely. And when I came back seven months later, because I missed my now husband, uh, the sleeping pills stopped working. I, my anxiety of starting to have heart palpitations again mm-hmm. and my anxiety skyrocketed. So I switched that out with drinking again.
0: You like so going I started back and drinking
2: like back and forth. And it's- even in New York city, I was cross addicting. So I really like to talk about cross addicting okay. because uh-huh. I was cross addicting also into exercise. Okay. I was working out for about three to four hours a day. Wow. Um, so because And I like to bring that up because it's really easy as addicts to cross addict into Mm -hmm. other things like food, you know, sex or gambling or exercise is really Mm -hmm. common Mm -hmm. too. So, I was still getting that same high. I just wasn't drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I was working out a lot. I was a classic workaholic working like three jobs and I kept drinking and drinking and drinking and it slowly progressed. So, in that time period, I know this is a long-winded story, (laughs)
0: We're here for it.
2: (laughs) Okay. So so in that time period, you know, between 2009 and 2010, I was having a lot of anxiety. I entered my first psych ward stay because Mm -hmm. I was hallucinating almost because my anxiety was so bad. And I was drinking to help cope with that, which in turn (laughs) makes our anxiety worse. So the thing I was trying to help Mm -hmm. with drinking was actually making it so much, so much worse, right? For that Mm -hmm. 20 minutes of relief. You get a whole, whole baggage of anxiety on top of what you already have. So now you have a whole lot of new problems to deal with Mm -hmm. that you didn't have before. So in that time, I was, like I said, I was working full time. I had, I did freelance full time. And in 2010, I, uh, we got engaged and I would, I'd like to say from 2010 to 2011 was my drinking really ramped up. I Like I said, I was working full-time, did freelance full-time, and I was planning and doing our wedding by myself. I had a hard time asking for help. I wanted to prove to people that I could do everything. And I also started doing Adderall again Mm -hmm. um, because I knew a week before our wedding I had so much to do. So I started taking Adderall, and I was able to do it. I dropped the weight, but my anxiety was so high on our wedding day. I was drinking every night for a good year leading up to our wedding, mm-hmm. dabbling and thinking. I remember walking my dogs and thinking, okay, I'm going to try stopping to drink for a few days. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't make it a day. Or if I did make it a day, I was like, oh, thank gosh, but then I would drink the next day. You're like,
0: great. And now the next day is here, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. And it was my way. I didn't go out. I worked and worked and worked. And drinking was my way to relax, to have fun, to kind of give my mind a break. So can't come our wedding day. Uh, I did Adderall leading up to our wedding. I did Adderall during our wedding. I drank during our wedding to get through it. Mm -hmm. My whole thought is I just want to get through this day. Mm -hmm. If I can get through this day, everything will be okay because I had so many nerves. And I really want us to renew our vows again Mm -hmm. or get married again because I wasn't it's present? really hard for me to go back and watch our wedding video because I wasn't really there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I I was like I said I was taking Adderall and drinking. I was present up until the reception, and mm-hmm. I mean I don't know if anybody knows this, but I blacked out at the reception. I have no idea what I did,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um, and it wasn't. It was like really the day after, three days after where I came out and I couldn't hide my alcoholism anymore, my drinking. I hid my drinking from my husband for the entire time. He had no idea what was going on. Which is, I I hid it so well Mm -hmm. and I would hide it. And I didn't do my drinking around other people. I did it by myself because I didn't want to act like a fool Mm -hmm. and I didn't want other people to see what I was doing. So, he, once I came out, I, I was really bedridden. I mentally and physically collapsed after our wedding.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I couldn't do it anymore. And I just stayed in bed and drank. And my husband's like, what did I marry? Right, He's like, like, what is going on here? And um, so, yeah. So in that time, uh, from then and until then, sorry, this isn't long-winded, but I really like <laughs> to be thorough and uh, tell you me, guys the whole story. Me too, yeah. So, okay. So um, from 2011 to... You know, 2013, a good year and a half was me. I entered outpatient treatment a couple months after our wedding. Um, I, Like I said, I started dabbling Mm -hmm. into mouthwash Mm -hmm. and other forms of alcohol because it felt less shameful. Because I Mm -hmm. was doing the circle of circling the liquor stores so people wouldn't know my name. I would wear the hat so they couldn't see my my puffy eyes. Mm -hmm. I even drank rubbing alcohol Mm -hmm. because... My husband took all the alcohol away, mm-hmm. and he realized I was ta- drinking mouthwash. So I was like, okay, I'm going to drink rubbing alcohol, and not knowing how lethal it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I drank that, and um, and like I said, I went to outpatient treatment. I kept relapsing. It, I went into inpatient treatment finally in 2010. Uh, I went to Hazelden for a okay. 30-day stay with the intention that I was going to drink one more time. I, ah, like I, that's why I tell the, people I really mm-hmm. wanted to get sober, but I wasn't ready. And that's I, I want
0: to. That's how you knew, right? Because in your mind, you were thinking, I'm just going to have one more. I'm just going to you know? do
2: it one more time. And so right? that's like a
0: sign, like you're not ready if you have the one more thought,
2: right? Yes, yep. exactly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so yeah. So the day after I got out and treatment's great. I recommend it to everybody. I was so resistant of entering treatment because my first thought was, I don't want to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. What are people going to think? What, I'm, mm-hmm. what am I going to tell people Like when mm-hmm. I get back? Like, I'm just going to go away for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And so I kept fighting, and I kept trying to prove to myself that I could do it, I, and I couldn't. And every single time I relapsed, I kept proving to myself that I couldn't, that mm-hmm. I couldn't. Even after an inpatient stay, I couldn't do it. And I, in that month's time, from my first inpatient stay to my next one, it's ramped up in that month. I mean, in there, um, uh, well, actually no, but yes, it did get worse. So Mm -hmm. I went back to Hazleton and went for their longer stay, their 60 day stay, got out in January, did a sober house, did what I was told, was thinking like, okay, maybe this time will be different. But I was still doing Adderall. And that was like the main thing that was holding me back from getting sober because I thought if my husband knows about my Adderall use,
1: mm-hmm.
2: he's going to freak out and leave me. And for some reason, it's crazy what you'll tell yourself in your mm-hmm. mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I knew I wasn't being brutally honest. And that's what it really took for me. So I took Adderall when I got of my 60-day stay, which led to me relapsing on alcohol mm-hmm. sh- or mouthwash, should I say. And in between January and February, February, I got my second DWI. I got pulled over in the midst of rush hour because Waylon said I had to leave before he got home. I I wasn't really someone to drink and drive. I usually did my drinking at home, but I Mm -hmm. knew I had to leave before he got home. So I started drinking and I got pulled over. I blew like over a point. I think it was a Mm 0.24 in a blackout, which is really Mm -hmm. scary. Uh, I'm so grateful that I didn't hurt anybody, hurt myself. Mm -hmm. So I had two DWIs now. Like I said, in that time, I was going through that cardiac arrest moment. I was on the couch, you know, having that moment with Waylon, like I just don't even want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't that person. It's crazy to think of who I am today to where I was then. Mm -hmm. And it's two separate people. And you're like, I can't, did that actually happen? Right. Was that real? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I just mm-hmm. want to tell people like, if you're experiencing that, mm-hmm. I get it because I was there too, mm-hmm. and I didn't see a way out. I I visualized myself in a hole, and I I just couldn't see a way how to climb out of this mm-hmm. hole that I was digging. I was I have, I have so much that's that I have you know my t- second DWI, I lost, I don't have a job, blah 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 blah. But then it got to the point, like I said, in detox where I made the decision. And I felt myself dying. And I was like, mm-hmm. if I don't get this, I will die. And after I did my detox stay, I got out. I did my assessment, which you have to get an assessment before you go into treatment. And I went to a different treatment program called The Retreat NYZ. I highly recommend it to anybody that is looking to get sober. It's really affordable. Your insurance does not cover it. But... Insurance didn't cover Hazleton either for me, so mm-hmm. we paid out of pocket for that, which I, and is another thing that I want to advocate for is affordable treatment for people looking yes. and wanting to get sober.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But there, before we went, before I checked myself into my last inpatient stay, mm-hmm. I we I visualized our life, and I didn't know if we were going to make it, but I visualized ourselves, and we took a drive through this neighborhood. And by that time, we were living in like a townhouse. And I saw our life. And we were just quiet. And I, I looked at these beautiful houses, houses that we couldn't afford, obviously. But I was like, I saw our life. And I saw the white picket fence. And I saw two kids, a boy and a girl, which is crazy for me to think about. And I was just like having that vision. Because all through this time, I really wanted to become a mom. Mm-hmm. I wanted so desperately to have a child. But... I knew if I continued to drink that I couldn't, we couldn't do that. And that's what Waylon said, we can't bring a child into this if we're drinking. And I would see all my friends getting pregnant at that time and I hated that because I couldn't. And so, but I saw that and I used that as motivation for the life we were going to have. And it's crazy to think about because now we have that life. We live, you know, like 10 minutes from that, we live in a beautiful house. I have two amazing kids. I mean, a boy and a girl, which is bananas. Like, I didn't even think I could get pregnant after all the abuse mm-hmm. that I put my body through. It's incredible what your body can do when you treat it well. Right. And how fast it can repair the damage that you've done once you just stop, stop. putting poison in it. hmm Um, it's amazing what can happen. And the other thing that I did before I went into treatment was I got brutally honest with Waylon. Ah, I said, hey, hon, I have to talk to you. This is something that's been keeping me from getting sober. And I brought him to the bedroom and I said, I told him all about the Adderall. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy what you can, this is why I always um, uh, encourage mental fitness of (laughs) focusing on what's happening between your two ears right because mm-hmm. I made this whole scenario in my head like he's gonna storm out the door he's gonna throw and and throw everything around in the, the house and he's like gonna it. rush out and say here's your divorce yeah and he was like okay are you yes. done and I was like yes he's like okay all right I'm like the, now we move forward okay well <laughs> yeah. you're supposed to like leave me and so it's so crazy so I like people to get honest. Honesty Mm -hmm. is number one. So, that's why you'll see in my social posts, like, Mm -hmm. I air out everything because I feel like I just want to be 110% honest because I lied. My whole life was a lie for so long. And so, once I did that, and I entered treatment. I was like, now mm-hmm. I can get sober because I don't have mm-hmm. any secrets to hide anymore. You know, <gasps> right. everything it, about it me. It kept being something
0: lingering that you could go back to that yeah. the person closest in your life didn't know about. There was still a secret. That was your again, the not ready keep part. you yeah. sick.
2: Yes. Yes. Exactly. And that's never been more true than that moment. So mm-hmm. it's crazy. And from there, you know, I did, I did what I was told. I, I showed up for my court dates, Mm -hmm. which, you know, it took like a good year and a half to go through the court system. Mm -hmm. I took responsibility for my actions. I went to AA meetings. I went to inpatient, then went to outpatient, did all those progressions, you know, I, and I did show up to court four months pregnant. I did my day in jail, five months pregnant. I did have to pop and, you know, get naked and spread my, you know, like <laughs> yeah. do all of that pregnant. I'm like, Oh my gosh. But I, you just, you clean up your mess yeah. and you're so much, ab- you're better able to go through it because you have a clear head right. and you, and I like to tell people who are facing a lot of things that you have to clean up. Right. Don't think of everything. Like it's, it's a right. lot, right? One, right? Just do one thing. Like, Mm -hmm. focus on today, do the next, what's the next right thing that you Mm -hmm. can do today? Mm -hmm. How are you going to stay sober today? Because you Mm -hmm. will get through it, Mm -hmm. but drinking is only going to make this worse, is the one thing. So, what can you do today that you can focus on? That's the next right move that you can make.
0: Right, not the the whole, like, what is it, you know, how to... How do you
2: eat a the elephant or something like one bite at oh, a how time? How do you eat an elephant, elephant one bite yes, at, at a time. time? Yeah, and especially at going through COVID. I mean, mm-hmm. and I was telling you, a lot of recovery principles are happening today. Of, I can't think about Thursday when the school announcement's going to happen because <laughs> because I can't. I mean, there's yep. no use because it's all out of my control. What I can control is. What's happening in these four walls, what I can control is if I choose to consume the media, if I choose to work out, if I mm-hmm. choose to go to a virtual meeting, if I choose to do these things. So, focus on what you can control mm-hmm. and see how your life improves that way.
0: Yeah. I. My husband and I talk often about our, our school is supposed to start August 19th, and we're like, just tell us what to do on the 18th.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right? Until then. I mean,
0: I mean I don't There's no
2: use in worrying about n- it.
0: no use. Everything is changing too. Like yeah. I'm not uh, I'm not going to get attached to you know I've, I've heard people like do I go buy back to school stuff and I'm like you just go with it. Who cares about back to school stuff? I know
2: stuff? I saw the <laughs> I saw the back to school stuff at Target. Yeah. And I was like do I even buy it? Like and then I saw all like the teaching they they're coming out with like a bunch of posters and teacher mm-hmm. planners so I'm like oh they're on board with like the homeschool home school, here's their right? homeschool the section. section yeah <laughs> thank you target yeah so we'll so uh, yeah. you know,
0: there's there's many days between now and then to
2: get through you know like exactly I'm not going to get attached to anything until exactly yeah because who knows in two days everything oh. can change oh
0: yeah what yeah at yeah. And this year has been, uh, God, I love how we're going to look back on 2020 of, like, all the lessons that, like, really solidified, right? Of, like, yes, uh, accept things I cannot change.
2: <laughs> that's just, that's exactly, I tell, mm-hmm. I say that to myself multiple times throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's part of the serenity prayer. Yep. And yep. it's helped me so much. Um, as a constant worrier, as someone Mm -hmm. who constantly thinks about the future, as Mm -hmm. someone who suffers from anxiety. And I tell people, there's nothing we can do about yesterday. Mm -hmm. There's nothing we can do about how other people act. There's nothing we can do about the weather. You know, so you really have, like you said, accept what you can't change and Mm -hmm. change what what you can. What can I change? Well, I can change if I choose to allow those people into my life that mm-hmm. you know, I can choose to, like you said, consume the media, but we can't take back what we did. Mm-hmm. And I think that helped me a lot in recovery of going through these things. There's nothing I can do to take back my Wait. two DWIs right. Or, right.
1: Um,
2: or you know, drinking or what I said, what I did. But looking at it as, you know what, those things have brought me to who I am today.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I love who I am today because mm-hmm. I drank because I didn't like who I was. And I thought I was, there was something wrong with me mm-hmm. that I had to be someone else from consuming, you know, the media of what women should look like, how women should act. You know, I thought there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. But now in recovering because I I I like to say I cross it into, into like personal development and mm-hmm. really working on my mind because mm-hmm. that's what really needed work. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. learned to love and accept my weird, like Brene Brown, she always has these like yeah. weird things that she's like, embrace it, embrace yeah. it because that makes you who you are. Mm-hmm. Embrace who you are and own your story. Being addicted, like I said, being addicted to an addictive drug, there's nothing to be ashamed about. Mm-hmm. It's part of who you are. And owning your story, sharing your story. I don't believe in being anonymous because I was anonymous for four years in my yeah, recovery.
0: Yeah, tell me about that. What, what did that um, look like and feel like? So I want to hear more about that.
2: Yeah, so it took um, for, you know, right after I got sober, within four months, I was pregnant, which is bananas. Within four, four months, I got my, my really great job. It's so, I like to like say these things, um, because of the amazing things that can happen when you get sober. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so crazy. I was like, I thought forever I was going to be infertile. And I was like, wow, we're pregnant. And wow, I just got a job. And wow, I just got promoted. This is so crazy just because I don't drink right? everything. All these things start crazy, amazing things start happening. Um, but yeah, for a good four years, obviously I was pregnant. We had Two kids, popped out two kids, which was amazing. But in that time, I was a closet, in the closet, and anonymous, and I didn't really talk about it. And when people, I kind of, I really isolated myself. I was really living that dry, drunk lifestyle. So I was still binging on food. So I cross-addicted into food and binging and, and binging on sweets and kind of still looking for that way to numb out, to fill something like a hole I felt like. I was trying to fill something. Um, but I was still not talking about it. I wanted to talk about it, but I didn't know if people wanted to hear it or what people would think. My main thing was like, what are people going to think about me if they know this about me? And so it really took beach body coaching. When I started coaching three years ago, your whole job as a coach, which is crazy because I, I always was you know, criticized or judged Beachbody coaches of like, oh, they're so freaking happy and like, <laughs> stop being happy. And yes, you did your workout. Great job. Drink your dang cool. yeah. shake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but until I saw my coach's post and I was like, oh, she's different. Mm-hmm. And I started following her. And for some reason, a random on the internet, I just started following. Mm-hmm. And I loved her authenticity. And mm-hmm. she didn't beat around the bush. She wasn't like, with like that. And, uh, and so I started following her and I signed up. And as a mom, it was so great because this way I could work out as a mom because I was struggling with like, how am I going to work out mm-hmm. with kids? And so I was like, oh, I can work out in the same house as my kids before my kids get up. Mm-hmm. This makes it so much easier. So I became a coach and one of your jobs as a coach is to start sharing your story.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and being authentic and sharing who you are, finding out who you are. So I really owe a lot to Beachbody Coaching because it really made me think about who I, was I? What did I like to do? Because I didn't really know what I like to do. I thought people didn't want to hang out with me. I thought I was no fun when I was sober. I, I th- thought I didn't really have any friends because I didn't, like I said, I stopped getting invited to things because a mm-hmm. lot of my friends were... Drank. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of at home and it was great. I had two kids. I went to bed. But once I started beach body coaching within a week or two, I had a conversation with my husband and I said, I think I need to come out about my alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, I know that I can't help people if I'm not being 100%. Mm-hmm. That's like a huge part of my story. And I was like, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to do it. And he was like, Okay, great. That's awesome. So I remember I, I wrote up a post in like less than four minutes. I felt like all these years I had so much to say. So I wrote it out. I was like, hey, I'm Jen. I'm an alcoholic. And I still have the post today. And I posted it right before I went to an AA meeting. Mm-hmm. And I posted it. I like threw the phone. I was like, oh my God. And I like uh, ran and I, I went yeah. to my meeting. And I came back. and I was like, I'm just going to check. And it had so many comments and likes and love from people. Mm-hmm. And he'd be amazed at how accepting and loving people are when when you get honest and just come out and so i like to say it was you know my coming out post of of uh that really did it and from that moment on it felt like a huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders i was like now i don't have to hide anymore people know exactly who i am Mm -hmm. what i've been through and it just like cleared the air Right, and then from that moment on, you know, I was still doing Beachbody coaching, and I would share little tidbits and bits and pieces about my recovery. But it was always the sober posts or my recovery posts that always did well and got the most responses. So in that time, I found, and especially now, I paid attention to the audience, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I don't think it's Beachbody coaching what I'm supposed to be doing. I think people need to hear my story. Sobriety. Yeah. How did I get sober? Where was I? What did that look like? And what am I doing today that is sustaining my recovery so Mm. that I stay in recovery and I don't turn back? So, Mm. I switched it. And it's crazy because never in a million years did I think I was going to be a sober coach (laughs) ever. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy. Like, the one thing that I was so nervous to talk about is the one thing that I love to talk about now Mm
1: -hmm. because
2: I've lived through it Mm -hmm. and I get it. I get wanting to die. I get not feeling able that, not being able to stop. I get Mm -hmm. it, but I also know that you can pivot at any time and that you can do this. I, Mm -hmm. I know you can. And if you can get sober, literally there's nothing you can't do. Because every single moment that happened after I got sober, people ask me, like, are you scared of childbirth? Are you scared of labor? I'm like, no. I'm like, I don't know, give me an epidural, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I'm not scared of it because getting sober was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. So facing this global pandemic and all the things that 2020 is throwing at us, Mm -hmm. I'm better able to handle it because I went through that and everything that comes after that is measured because I went through that, I can get through this, and I do that. We do that by taking it one thing at a time, right? Mm-hmm. Choosing what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna consume. Choosing to work, taking care of myself, working out. Like I'm a really strong component of working out and moving your body because it can change your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it can take you from a negative space into a positive one, and um, and yeah. Sorry, I got on a tangent there, but I just. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. It's well, crazy th- what can happen. Right. I just think it's
0: so interesting. And I haven't heard anybody talk about being like in the closet sober, you know, I guess is what you're saying. If, yeah. Yeah. And I just, as you were talking, I can totally understand the the even in sobriety, the fear of judgment and the fear of the truth and you've done the work, but it's still just that last bit of like really showing up and saying, this is who I am and this is my struggles is a mm-hmm. whole nother part of it.
2: It is because, um, and I and I actually had a woman in my group come out yesterday because mm-hmm. I, I call it like the coming out post, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because there's one one point in your recovery of like, okay, well, admitting you have a problem,
1: mm-hmm. like,
2: right, wanting to get help for help. it, mm-hmm. wanting to get sober, right, mm-hmm. and then getting sober, and then. Getting the courage, and that's what I really hope to do, is encourage people and moms especially mm-hmm. to want to get sober and to own it and to talk about it. Yeah, because that's how the stigma keeps going around mm-hmm. is because no one talks, talks about, about it. Talks about it. And yes. So all of these moms are suffering in silence, drinking with the whole wine mom thing. Yes,
0: I was. I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to oh, say. Oh God. Uh, just, uh,
2: yeah. It, around.
0: It n- all these years that you were talking about, what I kept thinking of, these were the years that, like, moms t- drinking to cope, like, skyrocketed. And that was the message everywhere of, like, mommy needs wine, mommy juice. Yes. Like, you're the reason I drink and all that shit. And it breaks my heart seeing that stuff. Like,
2: Yeah. What, it, it, what did it, a t-shirt I saw was, like, you wine, so mommy wines. Yes. Or you wine, so mommy wines. or mm-hmm. um, And Holly Whitaker, I actually wrote this down, uh, she wrote a book, Quit Like a Woman. Mm-hmm. Just came out like a year ago, maybe. Really good book. But she said moms have been brainwashed into normalizing what amounts to, to, to severe drug abuse. Yes. You do and I, I just say you don't need to drink to tolerate your kids. You just yes. need to take better care of yourself and adopt healthy coping mechanisms to handle stress. Yes. Like take a deep breath. Shut yourself in the bathroom. Scream into a pillow. Mm -hmm. Sniff some essential oils like I have right now. (laughs) Go run around the house like you don't need to drink.
0: Tell your your partner you're drowning.
2: Yes. Ask for help. Help. Yes. That was a big thing that I did when I got into recovery is Mm -hmm. asking for help. Like, I'm like, hey, I need help. I need a break. And accepting it because, I mean, for
0: our generation – like our, our parents, the mom started going back to work and there was the, the two parent, you know, working household. And then since then, I think, you know, until like, let's say like the seventies, right? Till now, women are juggling so much shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And we're not like, I, I, had, I was interviewed for a book during COVID and we talked so much about like how to remove like the emotional labor, right? That kind of stuff, like the actual physical housework and all that, like how to actually equalize the family environment because moms are drowning you know moms are suffering and this alcohol stuff is where I can really see it you know it's normalized it's like on t-shirts and mugs and all this crazy stuff where like just what you said it's like we've normalized a drug addiction yeah as and it's not even normalized it's encouraged it is it's like this is how we bond and that's how I did with my mom friends for years like when we got together you know what I mean it was like Who's got the rosé? Who's got the red? Who's got the white? You know, like, and I just am so happy that this, how it's changing is that people are being honest. They're being like, whoa, like, we need to slow this roll. We need to think about this a little critically. You know, what's this? And you can always tell, like, do fathers get this messaging? No. You know, are there? (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) And do you 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 ever hear uh, a
2: male, do you ever have a male get asked, how do you do it all? exactly Exactly. like how do you do it all or um or daddy guilt you never hear daddy guilt or things like that never heard the word but daddy guilt yeah you never get because we manage so many things and now with covid Mm -hmm. and homeschooling now we got another thing Mm -hmm. so that's Mm -hmm. why i really want to start especially talking about it because now you have something else added to your resume Mm
0: And everyone's isolated and at home, and like from listening to you, it sounded like you did a lot of your drinking. Home, I did, isolated, alone. You weren't out partying. You weren't out with friends. Mm-hmm. You weren't out at the bar. You weren't. You were at home, like closeted drinking. Yes. And so now moms are home with their kids. They've. It's been. How many months now? So I think there might be a lot of moms out there suffering, a lot of women out there suffering exactly. as well.
2: And you can take this, you can take the quarantine as two different ways if you're struggling. That one, it's helping you because you drank around people. Mm-hmm. So now you don't have those temptations right. of the I bar. To, mm-hmm. But it's also mm-hmm. for the other person, if they drink at home like I did, no one's going to know. That was my thing. No one's going right. to know. So now they're drinking you're not earlier. not work.
1: Um, yes.
2: no one's going to know you're mm-hmm. not driving. So it's, it's, uh, becoming accepted. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm not driving. Right. I'm you not going to
0: do this. Right. So, right. I, you, you're not uh, like you're
2: at zoom meetings
0: and that's it. Nobody's going to fucking see no, it through zoom. Right? No,
2: exactly. And so that's why it's really mm-hmm. scary point right now there. Yes. I thought, I've seen mm-hmm. women thrive and get sober in quarantine, which is freaking amazing. Like, I'm like, you guys are warriors. Warriors, yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, it's also starting addiction in other people and developing addiction Mm -hmm. that we'll see here in the next few months of people not being able to stop and choosing to drink to numb out and Mm -hmm. cope with everything that's going on. So, Agreed. so Agreed. yeah. And for those four years, you know, I thought that we were supposed to be anonymous. I was like, we don't talk about it. If you see us at us, you know, we oh, don't. And that's what right, I uh, learned right, in AA. Right, that's where nothing mm-hmm, against mm-hmm. AA. Like, I love AA. It's a great way to meet people. Mm-hmm. But I I made the decision that I was like, I'm not going to be anonymous anymore. There's nothing mm-hmm. to be. Why do I need to be anonymous? Shame. The more no, that shame. people are anonymous the more mm-hmm. people don't talk about it. And the way to mm-hmm. combat this shame is by talking about it. And that's the biggest thing with alcohol is mm-hmm. that we feel is shame and you get rid of shame mm-hmm. and you conquer shame by talking about it because shame thrives in silence. So.
0: Yes. Let's Brene Brown here for a minute. The yes. The thing that combats the shame, shame is compassion queen. and empathy. Compassion and empathy is what's gonna break down shame and secrets. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, I, and voicing that publicly, then other people mm-hmm. don't feel so ashamed that, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. it questions the way I'm drinking. And you don't have to call yourself an alcoholic. I don't really call myself an alcoholic today. I just say I'm alcohol-free because mm-hmm. I think labels can scare people from ever getting help because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm an alcoholic. And you don't have to call yourself an alcoholic because this is the only mm-hmm. disease where you are the person that kind of diagnoses yourself, which is crazy. Yeah. I was like, okay, I think I'm an yeah. alcoholic yeah. if I get a DWI. I think I'm an alcoholic if I do <gasps> right this. Like, like when if, do you make that if decision? If I lose my job. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to. You just can just ask yourself, would my life be better if I didn't drink without drink without alcohol? Yeah. Like, quit drinking for a week, 30 days, and see what happens. See if mm-hmm. your life improves. Like, what do you notice? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then ask yourself. Like, you don't, like I said, you don't have to call yourself an alcoholic. You can just say, you know, what is alcohol really helping me? How, what does alcohol mm-hmm. actually bring into my life?
0: Oh, just, <laughs> I thank you so much. Let me just, just a quick, like, thank you so much for like being here and your story and showing up. And of course, you know, yeah, I think just what you're saying is this why I started this podcast is I want to hear these stories, I want to share these stories, I want them to not be the secrets, yes. you know. And there's so much power. uh, Where's my Brene Brown quote? Um, It's, I wish I had it printed. She said women or people who can wade into, you know, vulnerability and discomfort are the true badasses.
2: Yes, exactly. It's once you start, like, digging deep and and owning that, I think with every single post or every time I share my story, I feel so much better, because it's just yeah. like airing it out, and that's what I said. It can help with shame once you start talking about it, and it feels mm-hmm. so good. So, and mm-hmm. things I do today to maintain rem- my recovery, I'll just touch on that really quick. Is you know, yes, I, that's
0: what I Yep, yeah, that was be my next. Oh, question. okay, awesome. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. <laughs> so I still like go to AA once in a while, but now I started mm-hmm. my own virtual meetings, like once a week, with a mm-hmm. Facebook women's group that anybody can join. So I really mm-hmm. keep connected with. Women in recovery, women who are struggling, women who are looking to get sober or just like sober curious. I really keep that conversation going. Um, and the number one thing that I can recommend to everybody is movement. And that's something I, I advocate for, not cross addicting, because what I like with beach body workouts or any virtual program that you do or running or is that if you limit it, it really gives me a set time like 30 minutes. This workout's 30 minutes, right? So I don't overdo it and I can keep that cross addiction in check. And now where I don't feel like I need to lose weight, I work Mm -hmm. out so I can feel great. Um, Because Mm -hmm. when you move your body, it can help repair brain cells that are lost through drinking. It will help with depression. It can boost your self-esteem, boost your confidence. It's obviously going to help your immune system, especially right now. So 30 Mm -hmm. minutes, it doesn't have to be a strenuous workout. Just get outside, go walk, get outside, get that fresh sunshine on your face. Anything that gets your heart right up, it can be yoga, anything. So get 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, I do that every single day. And Like I said, my daughter joined me yesterday with my workout, but working out next to my kids, that's made it really easy for me Mm -hmm. to get in my workout or incorporate your kids into your workout, right? Go on a run with them, go on a bike ride, uh, play The Floor is Lava, which is something we really like to play right now, that new Netflix show. So fun. Um, Essential oils (laughs) are so helpful with dealing with stress and anxiety. So my favorite is Peace Mm -hmm. and Calming. From young man- mm-hmm. living, it can take my stress, like, down, a, like, five levels just by sniffing mm-hmm. something. Stress Away is another one I love. Um, so, Essential Oils has helped. I mm-hmm. ask for help. I ask my husband, hey, I need I need to go to Target by myself or Target's therapy mm-hmm. for me a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to take the kids. I need to do this. I need to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I had Garden now, which is, I've loved gardening. It is so fun. But that's kind of like therapeutic for me. Mm -hmm. I really try to um, get into meditation, something Mm -hmm. that's really hard for me, but I keep trying. I thought Mm -hmm. sought out a therapist and I got in, like I said, I got in community with other sober women and I really became a student. So I... Mm -hmm. I read and listen. I listen to books on Audible because it's easier for me to consume.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: I listen to books on recovery. Uh, my favorite, favorite mm-hmm. book is *The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober* by Katherine Gray. It has so yeah. many amazing tools in it. And my second favorite is This Naked Mind* by Annie Grace, where it really got me to think of alcohol and view alcohol as a drug, which mm-hmm. I didn't th- look at it like that. First, you know, until last year. Oh, so long. And it really opened my eyes to view society. I'm like, wow, this is really messed up.
0: Yeah, we've normalized the shit out
2: of this. Normalized a drug, (laughs) consuming a drug, because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm like, holy crap. Um, Mm -hmm. And number three is Sober Curious by Ruby Warrington is another great book. Mm -hmm. But listening, like learn about, just like you would if you had cancer, learn about what Mm -hmm. you have and learn how other people have done it and take the tools from that and apply it to your own recovery toolbox. Your recovery doesn't have to look like just AA meetings or just this. Mm-hmm. My recovery toolbox looks like a bunch of different things. It looks like AA meetings once in a while, creating my own meetings, working out, meditating, therapy, You know, asking for help. So all these certain things and apply what works for you and know that it doesn't have to look same way for everybody everybody's recovery toolbox is going to be different so um and just know that be graceful with yourself as you're going through this Mm -hmm. um it's really easy to beat ourselves up we're going through a global pandemic Mm -hmm. and just know that no matter how hard life gets no matter what 2020 throws at you you don't have to drink over it Drinking right. is only gonna make it worse.
0: When you're numbing like gosh, I've learned about in my journey of like when you're numbing one thing, you're actually numbing everything. Yeah,
2: you're numbing the good you're parts can't too.
0: Select, yeah. You can't selectively be like, oh, I don't want to feel anxiety and I don't want to feel, you know, whatever. So I'm gonna try to, you know, ignore that. You're you're numbing out the joy, you're numbing out the the good things as well. There's no selective
2: There is there of isn't numbing. and <laughs> I think one of the big things I, I, I was really fearful about when I got sober was what am I going to do for fun? Like,
0: what are we going to uh-huh. do? Uh, that's, like, that's a legit fear that people have. Yeah. I mm-hmm. get that
2: a lot. And my, how am I going to go to, how am I going to go to parties? Yeah. Like, what are we going to do? Like I asked my husband that mm-hmm. and that's for four years. I was like, I don't know. I just don't think I'm fun mm-hmm. anymore. And um, he was mm-hmm. like, go out with friends. I'm like, I don't think I have any. And, uh, <laughs> and so, we really actually had to learn how to date um, once I got sober because he knew me, the drinking me. So, what I yeah. can, like, a couple pieces of advice is flip your evenings into morning dates. Like, get together with friends for coffee. That's what, I was like, yep. we still go out for drinks. It's just coffee instead of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, find what you like to do when you were a child. Like, I love to paint. I loved to <gasps> find out what you like to do as a child before alcohol entered the picture and ripped away all that joy and took mm-hmm. away what you really love to do. Like I said, I love to work out and move my body. And I, lo- I found out at 38 years old that I love to garden. It took me mm-hmm. 38 years. Try new things. And if it helps, like create like all these activities and that's how you're going to find your people. Granted, it's a little different mm-hmm. in COVID, but mm-hmm. figure out the things that you like to do. Like, I really want to go paddleboarding. I've never done it, but I, I really want to do it. And then you're going to find your people because they're going to like to do mm-hmm. the same things. I really like to go to personal development conferences. I'm a mm-hmm. Rachel Hollis fan through and through. And I was like, man, that really lighted me up. So that's mm-hmm. how you are going to find those people. And obviously, virtual Zoom meetings are going to have to be it for right now. But you're going to connect with people and joining Facebook groups that are geared towards sober women or sober men. um, That's how you're going to connect with people. And then you're going to find these really meaningful friendships and connections Mm -hmm. that are going to be based on who you are as a person, not who alcohol perceived you to be by drinking it, right? They're going to get the real you, which Mm -hmm. is awesome.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, uh, anything else? Oh gosh, in some. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I just want people to know that you know, if you're struggling, like I said, if you're struggling, if you're relapsing, if you're like, why can't I get this? I told, I get you, mm-hmm. and know that you're mm-hmm. not alone in this, and you're not in failure. Right. You're not a failure because yeah. you can't stop, right? And I know. More importantly, I know that you can do this. I know people can do this. And if you're not, like I said before, you have to really want it and you have to be ready. It was just that decision mm-hmm. where everything just clicked for me. And maybe that's, people don't mm-hmm. get to that. Maybe they can quit cold turkey. That's awesome. I couldn't. I needed treatment. I needed to be in a mm-hmm. safe environment. But I know you can do this and that no matter how hard life gets, no matter what 2020 throws at us, you don't have to drink over it. But mm-hmm. going through this hard season, that it's okay to feel feelings. It's okay. It's going to feel uncomfortable those, that first week. Those first 24 to 72 hours are going to be the worst if you give up drinking. But the only way to get through it is to go through it. Through it. Through it. And feelings yep. are meant to be felt. So it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel anxious. It's okay <sighs> to feel stressed. It's okay to feel happy. Feel it. We don't. And yes. then go through it. And that's Mm -hmm. how you gain confidence. That's how you get through this. So
0: Yep. The only way out is through. Exactly. The best way out is through. Robert Frost, there's that one. And I also have one on my wall. If you're going through hell, keep going. Keep going. (laughs) Going. Winston Churchill. (laughs) Love it. I love it. So I have um ten fun questions at the end. Oh awesome. (laughs) Yes. Okay,
2: you ready for this? Yes.
0: Just to end on a lighthearted. Uh what was your first car?
2: I think it was like a 1985 Ford Tempo. Um, What color? I think it was like a light blue, like a sky blue. My Mm -hmm. parents got it for like, I think it was like a thousand bucks or 500. It lasted like a year. And every time I went over 55 miles, it shook. So I was like, like, oh no, we're going fast. (laughs) It's shaking. So, um, so yeah. I love it. When did you get your period, your first period? I was in fifth grade, summer of fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I got it before all of my friends. Mm-hmm. I remember I was at the Minneapolis Aquatennial Parade, and I came home, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. And, but I oh, knew, what, I knew yeah. what it was, but at the same time, I, and I knew what to do. Like, oh, okay, I could just go get this. And, but I was so nervous to tell my mom. Um, like, I was same. embarrassed. And so, Same. yeah, <laughs> really, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But so I went down and I told her, and I'm like, my God. she's like, "Oh, you're a woman. Let's go to the store." And I was like, oh, "This is so weird." <laughs> uh, yeah, but so I, no, and I still didn't tell my friends. Like, they're like, "Have you gotten yours yet at sleepovers?" I'm like, "No, I haven't." Even though I was like having it then. And I waited until they had it to, like, come out. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just got mine, too. But um, I don't know why I was embarrassed about it.
0: I was super, yeah. And I no one knew I had it. Like, fr- we didn't talk about it. Oh. Like, isn't it so weird? Like, that's another. I,
2: another if thing, I had another, right? Uh-huh. Why should if you be ashamed like, of uh,
0: Yeah, if I had time and money, I would love to do, like, a period shame or just a period podcast. A period you know? podcast. Uh, welcome period to the period I'm sure notes. there's one out there. Yeah, I'm sure there's one out there. I should look. But anyway, this is this is something we take very seriously in my household. And some people might laugh, but uh, toilet paper, over, under, uh, over, Or You don't care. Over. Thank God. If, you know?
2: if it's under, I'm like, oh. and I'm like, don't you don't have to Me change
0: t- <laughs> it? Just yes. Oh. What you can control. It's somebody
2: else's toilet paper. But and I didn't. I don't know why. When I got to that point where I was just like, it's got to be over. I know.
0: I know that's to be my sub question is when did when I think was it was like point early thing? 30s I think early 30s where I was like this is a fucking thing that matters <laughs> uh, are you a fan of Lizzo Ah, uh, yes.
2: yes um I, I haven't listened to her whole album but um which one is it a good as hell I love running mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. good as hell and truth hurts oh man well get well
0: um there's she has two albums one was from like 2 years ago um, and then there's another one that's even older, and I think that "Good as Hell" is in is in her first album. But like, sure have have that one. But like, definitely get that. Um, I'm like here to be like everyone get that album that came out like two years ago with the truth hurts. The whole album is just so is great. It? Like the yeah, there's a song with Missy Elliott. Oh, okay,
2: love it. No, I, I love it I'm so really much. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she mentions the Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. in that. So yes, Or yes. obviously yes. Minnesotans. are like Minnesota Vikings. We yes. like haven't yes. won a Super Bowl in the longest time, but we're still yeah. gonna cheer for them yes that's right uh cilantro yes or yes no? I actually just um I'm mm-hmm. growing it uh it was the only oh, herb that popped uh-huh. up but I I was like oh I'm gonna use it because I put it in some Texas caviar the other day oh uh-huh. uh, yep. so okay good.
0: oh I love it when you drink a latte or a cappuccino let's say right what kind of milk do you like I mean, there's so many milks well, okay truth moment I I've never uh-huh. had a latte or a cappuccino <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. I just started
2: drinking coffee three years ago. I I was a soba soba soda <laughs> um Okay. I gave that up in October, but I that's what I kind of replaced alcohol with was like soda. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. But then I was like, well, I don't I don't want the caffeine from soda, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start coffee. Um. So now I just drink straight coffee with um silk c- creamer almond milk. Okay. okay. The caramel Okay. So that kind. would be there almond milk. Yeah. The yeah, caramel okay. is my. favorite. Right. Yeah. and I use a lot of creamer like it's probably yes, like half that, and half
0: that's how we all start drinking coffee I know
2: and I'm like <laughs> I start well my whole thing is like okay I drink mouthwash why can't I drink my coffee black I'll be black. like I can do You'll this get there. You'll I get can, there. can do this
0: <laughs> no I own idea. coffee shops that's I why I asked this it. question
2: oh okay uh, uh, yeah yeah that's I'll why get I'm there always at like, some like, point because mm-hmm. there's like uh, oh, my milk, 2020
0: goal uh, yes. Yes. I, I remember how I started drinking coffee there. I wasn't from a coffee family. Like my dad would drink it at the office, but there was never at home. My mom's never drank coffee in her life. But I went to community college when I was like 16, only for like a month. I turned 17. It was like my senior year of high school. And I would take the, um, the hot cocoa packet in like the little lounge, you know, the student lounge. And I would pour that in a cup and I would make coffee. Like I would make the hot chocolate with coffee. That's how I started drinking (laughs) coffee. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I was like a a mocha back in the day Mm -hmm. in 1990, uh, what would have been, six or something? Okay. (laughs) Can you drive a standard transmission? No. No. (laughs) This is something that I I just added because I I took something, I forget what question I took off, but uh, something I I want, if if I could start a school... (laughs) It would be <laughs> to teach women how to drive a standard. No, yeah, no, no <laughs> like, way. That's something. Yep. Yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. family
2: of origin. Where are you in the birth order? Um, youngest. I'm the youngest of three. Of how many? And so is my husband. Okay. He's the youngest of four. So we're both the babies. Uh,
0: my husband and I are both the second. Well, oh well, yeah, yeah, we're the second. Oh, okay. What was your kindergarten teacher's name?
2: Miss um, Goodman. And then Ooh, good name. she got married. So then she turned into Miss Lotzer. And I always, I always, I always this, remember it because I was like, it sounds like lobster. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, it was Miss Goodman. And then she, she changed her name to Miss Lotzer. That's a dope, You're the second
0: person that had the, like, she was this and got married. Yeah, and, and, she,
2: and it was cool. Yeah, cause and I
0: forget what the other names were. When
2: I uh, graduated high school, she sent me a, a note with our, our kindergarten classroom uh, picture and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's I can't believe she remembered, and it was really cool. That's adorable.
0: Okay, last one. What do you regret more, high heels or jalapenos? Well, I never, e- I hate
2: anything hot.
0: <sighs> okay, so must it would? I guess it would be jalapenos then. Yeah, but I never or, wear well, high well, heels anymore. I'm not going answer for you.
2: <gasps> <gasps> oh, oh gosh, I, I used to always wear. It. I had these big blacks stripper boots that I would wear. And I wore them all the time in New York City. And I was like, I look so great. And then, yeah, I'm and, yeah. and I would come back. My feet would be bloody. And I'm like, but I looked good. And uh, I looked hot. Yes. And now I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm so comfort over style. Or so now my whole mm-hmm. wardrobe is like yoga pants and athleta and mm-hmm. just things that make me feel comfortable. So the only time I put on high heels is like at a wedding, And then as soon as we get to the reception, I'll put on flats, you know, because, gosh, they are uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) So let's put you down for both. Yes. (laughs) So So, say on both of them. Uh, Well, cool. Oh, and then the last thing, of course, is how can people find you? Oh,
2: yeah. People can find me on Instagram at Jen Lee Hurst or else I have a free Facebook group for women. It's called Zero Proof Moms that you can join. Just me posting. We meet up once a week on Zoom just to have a really informal meeting, and call it a zero proof happy hour. And then I'm also creating a sober course that's coming up and my website is under construction for that. So that's will be launching in September. That will, you know, if you're struggling to get sober or feel like you're relapsing, it's going to be, you know, a five week course that's going to give you all my best tips, Um, how can I, what advice can I give you? How can I take you through this process and how can we do it together? Because that's Mm -hmm. the opposite of addiction is getting connected. I looked into private coaching, but I was like, I don't think that's really Mm -hmm. what people need. People need to be connected to each other and help one another. That's where recovery happens. That's how you get sober and that's how you stay sober. So yeah, look for that in September and uh, really, really- I know you
0: said it's under construction, but you know what it will be in case people are listening to um, this.
2: It's going to be called, it's called livingzeroproof.com. Cool. So that is the going the name of my company, uh, Living Zero Proof. So living, you know, zero proof of alcohol, mm-hmm. of pills, of cross addiction, mm-hmm. you know, being clean through and through mm-hmm. and being living proof, each and every one of you that you can do this. Mm-hmm. You're going to be living proof that you can get through this. Yeah.
0: I always have to remind myself. I have another reminder on my computer to I'm everything on the social medias is at LaJoy Society, L-A-J-O-I-E, S-O-C-I-E-T-Y, that's dot com. And the LaJoy Society is also the social media handles there that I have. I was like, what am I? What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> um, so find us and connect with us and yeah, we'll meet here again next week.
1: Everything up to this point has led me here and there's nowhere I'd rather be than to be here all the things that made no sense that felt so wrong and out of place now seem to fit perfectly to tell a story Choices made, cards left on tables and cards played, and no one knows how will it go. Questions burning in the mind, answers may not be there to find, and no one knows how should it be. So pain picture